life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. I kind of feel like right up front I have to apologize to you, Paul. Okay. Because um, I'm realizing, and I didn't intend this, but I'm realizing this may be the almost entirely Lotus Elise podcast. <laughs> no. Because of dropping, you know, me dropping little picture hints as I was on a road trip picking it up. And now we've asked for questions, and I swear to you, two-thirds of the questions are Lotus-related. <laughs> so clearly we're going to talk Lotus, and I'm, I'm kind of sorry. It's all good. No, I, uh, I mentioned to you when we started the show 10 years ago? That's a frightening stat, but yes. Which is a crazy yeah. idea, mm-hmm. a crazy stat. You had a model, or you still do, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. a scale model of a 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So the same body style mm-hmm. as the real car. And it was, it's yeah. been sitting on your shelf ever since. And you've always just thought, man, what if? How can I? Yeah. When yeah, yeah. will it be? How will I do it? At what point in my life? And here you are. <laughs> and I couldn't be happier. I mean, we've talked about it. Yes. I've had two Caymans. I have no leg to stand on over here as far as owning the enthusiast. You love the FRS, and you just mentioned uh, the owner's loving it too, which is great. I actually just got a text message from the owner last Friday. Out of the blue, he texted me. And, and that's the thing. When you sell a car, at least this is for me. When I sell a car, I want the car to run wonderfully for the next owner. Yeah. And I was just worried that I would get that text message in the first week. Well, so this broke, you know, which would I would have been a surprise to me. But, I, you know, so I got a text on Friday, and I thought, uh-oh, what is this? And I start reading it, and he says, I just went on a canyon run with my buddies who have motorcycles. He was in the FRS. Mm-hmm. He said, this may be the most fun drive I've ever had. I'm loving this car. Thank you, and I'm going to have it for a long time. And I was like, man, that's exactly right. That's exactly what I want for the next one. Yeah. I was thrilled to hear that. Yeah. I just I feel like it's well-deserved, and it's Thank the you, right time in your life. Thank you, sir. It's the right car. It's still a crispy, beautiful color. It is, yes. And There will be much discussion of the Elise, for sure. You know, not that the FRS is not an enthusiast car. We've talked it up one side of and down the other. Of course it is, yes. And Tom's piece is coming out soon. He finally gets to drive the 86, the 86 yeah. in Europe, mm-hmm. which is great. And uh, you'll really enjoy his review. It's, uh, it's quite interesting and entertaining, of course. But it just seems like the Lotus is the real deal. It's the real car, the real enthusiast car that you've got in your life now. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite question that has come in is do the James Bond, the Roger Moore, James Bond thing with the skis and the snow in the winter. <laughs> and if we can find tires that extend studs there we go, out of the tread, That'd be the perfect then thing, we've yes. got to buy those tires. Yeah, clearly that'll be cheap. I mean, it'll be very cheap. <laughs> lots of Q, questions. Q probably lives in park city, <laughs> knowing does. the way the park city, he's retired out. to park city. Probably. Well, yeah. the new Q mm-hmm. is a uh, young guy. So I yeah. don't know where, he lives i guess uh london possibly but uh yeah i'm just i'm so thrilled and uh, i want to hear about the road trip i mean we've got the subject of buying a car out of state to touch on many people have asked this here's the thing we are going to do a car debate tonight we have a very cool one for joe he's writing to us he's 13 years old he wants to find new cars for both of his parents so joe thank you for writing in that's an exciting car debate coming up we have non-lotus related questions there are actually a few surprisingly (laughs) <laughs> we are going to try to cover this Lotus story so that you're up to speed a little bit. But before all of that, we actually thought we should talk, both of us, a little bit about buying a car out of state. Some of you just mm-hmm. asked because obviously I just did it. You've done it more than once. I like the fact that you had your new Elise checked out at the Rolls-Royce dealership. Yes, that's, that's part of the Lotus story, yes. Kind of Be, a favorite part of that. Yeah, that, that was definitely an interesting uh, twist on the whole thing. We'll <laughs> cover that as well. Pre-purchase inspections, of yes. course. That's where to start. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's a reality in all of our lives because we're car enthusiasts and we want to find the right car. And mm-hmm. generally speaking, it's probably not located near you, yeah. the car you want. Mm-hmm. So I've had experience shipping cars. We've driven cars back. I yes. mean, you and I flew out to uh, Oklahoma and we drove did. my first Cayman back from Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember. I mean, it was a great trip, actually. It was. That's one of the. That's one of the Mexico trips. Mexico is that, wide open. <laughs> that's one of the trips that showed me just how versatile the Cayman is, because you mm-hmm. and I did this like fourteen hundred mile road trip in that Cayman, just the two of us in bags, and it was like this is a great road car. And yeah. I was expecting, yeah. honestly, I was expecting what my Lotus experience was, but I'm, I'm cheating and telling a bit of the story already. <laughs> but yeah, we'll get there. Oh man, uh, yeah, the first car that I bought out of state was the Porsche nine twenty eight. That's and true. Yeah, the That's guy right. worked for a big construction firm in Nebraska. And I was asking my dad about this guy, and he said, "You know what? If he works for this, he's you know got this high up position at this big construction firm. He's a legitimate guy. He's the real deal. You can trust what he says." And I went on my dad's intuition like that. So I didn't get a pre purchase inspection, hmm. but I had the car shipped. It was everything that uh, that the owner had said. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yes, I relied on. Just faith in, you know, human truthfulness and Fair. Fair. faith in each uh, you, other. You got a little lucky. I did, <laughs> to be honest. I, I relied on lucky. that. Yeah. And uh, he just, he was very forthcoming. And I thought, you know what? I'm not getting any red flags at all. And I went for it, had the car shipped out mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Um, yeah, the second came and I drove back. But, uh, I mean, the best thing is if you've got people you know in another state or sure, friends nearby, sure. yeah, yeah. you know, you can have them take it for you to the pre-purchase inspection place. And then maybe they, you wire the money and they park it at their house for a little while while you fly out. Or possibly, maybe, possibly, who knows? You know, so friends is a big thing. But then how do you do it mm-hmm. when you don't have anybody to rely on in that exactly. city? Yeah. You know, no one, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, and what you did on the, on the, the latest Cayman, was you relied on the fact that there's all that information at the Porsche dealer, yes, and and the yes. and the history of that car. I mean, t- tell us that one too. Well, this was a CPO car, yeah. So again, the service department had to pay, or the uh, sales department had to pay the service department to get it up to spec, and they had all the records from the prior owner, and it was at a you know of course a legitimate dealership. Hadn't the car been bought there too? I mean, was the whole life of the car there. right there? Yep, purchased there. They knew the owner. They told me stories about the owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had all the records, all that stuff. And so I thought, you know what? You've already brought it up to CPO specs, so Mm -hmm. I don't need to have a PPI done. I just went with it, bought it. I liked it. They put it on a truck and shipped it out. So that was my latest experience, which was good. The dealer, in some ways, I think, simplifies the equation because they're set up for everything. They're set up for financing. They're set up for paperwork. Yeah. yeah. When When you go through a private owner, which is how I bought the Lotus, it gets a little more complex. So <laughs> it does. Yeah. So, so what I did, and it's actually similar to what you did on your first Cayman, but what I did just, just to kind of give you the high points here, not about the car, about the, the, the loan, cause I had to get a loan for it. Okay. So I went into my bank and I sat down with them and I just said, here's what I'm doing. And they looked and they could see that I had history of having mm-hmm. other car loans through them and I've got good credit rating. I mean, I'm an adult with them, which is nice. I, <laughs> I, I don't that. normally like, feel like an adult, but I felt very much like today. an adult. Exactly. So, um, so anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting customer. there and, uh, and I told them, look, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, I had talked to the owner of the Elise I was going to buy, and we had a price range already. So what I did is I asked the bank for the bottom of the price range in a cashier's check. Okay. Right, right. And just to, to tell you the story, that the car was listed originally for about 34000 By the time I was talking with the owner, he had it listed for 33000 We knew we were going to settle somewhere above thirty. 
Right, right. We were having a serious Somewhere conversation, there. and we had kind of decided it was going to be above 30. So I went into the bank, and I said, I need a $30,000 cashier's check. And I explained the whole story. I'm going out of state. The car is out of state. I don't have anybody else that can check it. And I'd already done pre-purchase inspection. We'll come back to that. But I'd mm-hmm. already done that. Uh, so I'm going to go down there and drive the car back. But obviously, I have to hand the owner. It's a private owner. I have to hand him all of the money to get the car out of state. Right, right. So I have to c- bring all the, all the money. He has to be able to cash it immediately. Yeah. But I don't have thirty grand in my pocket to just go, here you go. Right, so right. They had to get they had to get me to get the current owner of the Lotus. He had to send us lots of information, copies of the title, bill of sale. Your bank will tell you what they need. But in, in this case, it was I had to have a photocopy of the title because he owned it outright. If the owner you're buying from, private owner, has a loan on the car, this gets much more difficult because yeah, now you've got bank versus bank. All kinds of stuff. And there's a lot yeah. more steps. It's doable, but there's a lot more steps. Thankfully, he had the title in hand, which was helpful. So he uh, sent me a copy of the title. We made up a bill of sale, which, let's be honest, the bill of sale was for only the amount I was asking from the bank because we didn't know where we were going to land. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I had it matched the banking information. They were fine with that. So registration, bill of sale. Um, oh, that was what it was. Yeah, registration, title, and bill of sale. Copies of those three. So they could see his information. And that's what I walked with. I walked with a check for that. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I flew down yeah. to L.A. and had extra cash in my pocket. Think of it like a down payment. And that was the negotiation part. That was the negotiation part. And part of it was because of the PPI. Everybody listening knows that once you had the PPI done, mm-hmm. it was, you know, did you find anything, yeah, anything yeah. that was amiss? And then that was the negotiating power with exactly. that remaining and I hadn't And I hadn't seen the car. And both right. myself and the owner, we agreed that I should walk around the car look at the car, touch the car myself before we've decided on a final price. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I took Glad a little bit of a gamble that. of getting in, getting on a plane and flying to L.A. and took an Uber to his house. But, of course, my Uber was a Prius. Of course it was, yep. just to cleanse the universe. Took an Uber to his house, and uh, and they started walking around the car, and they just had a different conversation. So we knew we were going to be above 30. I had cash in my pocket. We decided on a price, which happened to be 31 flat. And so I gave him that extra $1,000 in cash. We went to his bank together immediately. Did you really? Absolutely. Okay. He said, hey, my, I said, is your bank open? He said, yeah, it's open until 4. So and the car that you drove to the bank in was a? Was his family's Prius. Yes. yes. So just, it was all pre-I until I got in the Lotus to leave, which <laughs> was a riot. Yeah. So yeah, so we went to his bank. Why can't I get away from this exactly. car? Exactly. And he, and he cashed all of it in and handed me the keys and the title, and I went on my way. Because, of course, I had to bring the title back to Utah. And, of course, wherever you live, it's the same kind of thing. You've got to bring the title back to your yeah. state. When you go to your DMV, that title goes away. Right, right. That title vanishes, that California title that I had vanished into the uh, DMV system of Utah, and the DMV sends it directly to my bank. It doesn't come to me, my bank, because they have a loan. Right. I have a loan with them. They a lien on the car. So that's, the, that's the, the kind of the short steps of how all this worked. So it is possible, but you really have to sit down with your bank and just go, Here's, you have to come in armed with info and armed with that owner a little bit in your back pocket of they know what you're doing too. So you can go to the bank and just go, here's what's up. How do we do this? The bank will tell you the information they need. You're not the first person to do this, which is the nice thing. Yeah. So they yeah. knew the procedures. They just wasn't common. So we got it all done. I want to back up a little bit and say that this is not the case for every car purchase, but I actually do love the fact that the guy you bought it from actually graduated, was an upperclassman at the same school I went to, mm-hmm. Art Center, mm-hmm. College of Design in Pasadena. I, uh, I obviously not vouching for his character, but I can certainly vouch for his car guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, he was an upperclassman. I remembered him, and then when I, I was reading it and I saw his name, I was like, 
oh, I know who that is. What's hysterical is during during my test <laughs> so drive, funny. part of the conversation was, so how's Paul doing? Which was <laughs> so hysterical. Funny. you know. Yeah. I mean, that obviously doesn't happen all the time. No, that, that's irrelevant to the conversation as I mean, far as I buying just, a car, but it was funny in this case, for I mean, sure. He's, he's certified through and through. He used to be a designer at Toyota, as a matter of fact. He Cal was at Toyota studio. while they were doing the FRS. So we had a long of talk course. about the FRS. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a big track guy, so he's tracked. In fact, so he had a, cool. a spec Miata on a trailer in his front parked next to the Lotus, and he had a Radical still, in the garage. Still just a So this guy this. and his brother, they track stuff like crazy. Man. So, yeah, this is a serious car guy. But he was asking me about the FRS because they had a, a designer's like track day with the car early on, and we were just talking about dynamics and all that kind so of stuff. Cool. Yeah. yeah, So yeah. cool. Well, so you were looking at some other cars, and I – kind of selfishly wanted you to get a red Elise and you had yeah. found one in Denver mm-hmm. and we're going down that road initially and you had found an orange one which I dug but mm-hmm. you didn't like the black wheels also a viable contender I mm-hmm. mean you found a lot of cars well and I I am a lurker when it comes to low time <laughs> been lurking yeah for I mean here years here's, here's, now. Yeah, here's the thing for Quite you guys possibly to know. decades yeah let's yeah, well almost <laughs> pretty much I'm gonna try to not make this the four-hour Lotus uh, search podcast but here's here's the backstory they're, the three iconic Lotuses in my life have all been yellow. I mean, the first one mm. we drove for the mm. show happened to be a red one that we rented when we did our pilot. Right. And that was what introduced me to the Lotus, and I just was mind-boggled. Yeah. But then shortly thereafter, I found – this is literally 10 years ago. This is like 07, early 08. I found a yellow one like down the block from me in L.A. Okay. That was an 05. And it was thirty grand. Ten years ago, it was thirty grand. Unbelievable. And I really wanted it. And I was circling the car big time. And then I had, how do I put this? I had a reality check because <laughs> it had dawned on me I had just left New Line and gone freelance. Right, right. And my wife and I had a serious conversation about this, and we both were in agreement where it's just like that's the right price. It's a great looking car. It's yellow. It's gorgeous. It's awesome. That would be a really stupid move. Hmm. And when you yeah. consider the fact that. <laughs> Six or eight months later, the economy took a dive and freelance dried up. That was the right decision to have <laughs> not God bought that car. Her. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I was in my 300ZX at that point. Still loved it, which yeah. was great. Yeah, it was a great but, car. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so that was a Lotus, uh, yellow Lotus at least that I thought very seriously about. Well, my wife had never driven one. And about four years ago, we were in Vegas and we rented a Lotus. And we showed up to, to drive this Lotus for the day. We rented it for the whole day. Okay? Right, right. And they had a red one. And they put us in the red one, which was the cleaner of the two, except we got not even a block away. And it was clear this car was not working right. Really? So we took it back, and they gave us the yellow one for the day. wonder if the red one was more popular and therefore Maybe. more beat on. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was still a rental yellow Lotus Elise. It was still pretty beat on. I mean, it's right. a rental car. Right. But it was in much better shape than the red one. And my wife did two-thirds of the driving that day. So cool. She'd never driven an Elise before. So I drove it. She drove it. And that was her experience with it. So we kind of had a joint experience in a yellow Lotus Elise, which was great. So then when I started shopping— <laughs> really shopping earlier this year. Well, I should I should, I should go back, actually. Mar- late March, early April, because I'm a lurker, and I just <laughs> look for Lotus Elises. I just do. I always have. I've been sending so, you for years. Years, everyone. Yes. Years been, and years. You've been like, almost tolerant. Another link. Here, okay, what's this one? How many miles on this one? That's uh-huh. the price? Exactly. Oh, it's silver. Blue. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah stop, Todd, stop. I think there's even been an eggplant Elise in there occasionally. There's a, there's a very unique... 
green that they make. There's a green one in there, right? They, now they have most people know the Krypton green, which is that hyper neon green. Right. Most people know that one. Right. There is a more how do I even describe it? A more metallic green that they make mm-hmm. that doesn't even it almost seems like a weird orange, but it's like an orange green. I'm not describing it well at all, but there's there's like six of those cars in the country and one of those was for sale earlier this year and I was like, oh. you know, Paul was like, yeah, uh-huh, that's <laughs> not happening. Link too. But anyway, yeah, yeah, Paul could dig that one up. Anyway, but but honestly, late March, early April, there was this yellow one that popped up in Irvine for thirty four grand, and it was track prepped. Mm-hmm. It was well loved, but yep. well driven, track yep. prepped, front and rear tow hooks, had uh, harnesses, um, had some stuff that you do to make these cars more robust. There's some end links that it needs. You can get a baffled oil pan, which helps oil starvation. There's a few things like this. You can improve shifter feel, which is a a, a thing. On these mm-hmm. Elises, improving yeah. shifter feel is a thing. And I found this like late March, early April. And I was like, oh, that's gorgeous. It's in Irvine. That's awesome. And then I thought, I'm not looking right now. That car will be so gone before I'm even looking. Even if, I, if, if I'm selling the FRS, it won't be till midsummer. Fast forward to I'm selling the FRS. That car is still available. And Amazing. it's listed somewhere in here. It drops to 33. Okay. I don't remember where, but somewhere here it drops right, to 33. Right. Then that red one popped up. Then the orange one popped up. Now, I should back up one more step. They made these cars – here's your Lotus Elise buying guide. They made these cars <laughs> 05 to 2011. Right, right. Okay? Uh, the 05, 06 there, – there were changes 05 to 08. Kind of every year had little tweaks. 08 was a big like mid-cycle refresh. And the 08s and up are a little bit nicer inside across the board. The 2011s are very nice. We found a random 2011 for like forty grand. I don't know why that car was that cheap because that was gone. That was <laughs> posted right. for like a day and it was gone. But what you generally find – is that the the lease prices honestly range between about thirty and forty? Then they can go up from there quickly based on low miles, or are they supercharged, or these kinds of sure. things? Sure, stuff done to them, but generally you don't get your money back out of the parts. No, no, but but you, but the factory supercharged ones, factory yes, bring forty five. Yeah, bring yeah. forty five. And my budget was low thirties, yeah, low thirties. Like thirty three was rarefied air for me. Yeah. So I was looking for 35 and below, but 33 was really the ceiling of what I could do. Right, right. So the problem, many of you, many of you sent me, when I said I was shopping for a car, sent me ads for Lotus Elises. <laughs> Most of the ones that were under 30 grand, they have two common threads. Most of them are 05s, so first year of build, and many of them are salvage titles. Right, because now, of the clamshell deal. Exactly. Now, as we talked about before, these are cars where because the front half of the car, the rear half of the car, they are literally halves of the car. When they get dinged, insurance companies often just write the car off. So you can get a salvage title at least that genuinely, genuinely, there's nothing else wrong with the, it. The car is fine, but it's just this it's, you can't replace. You can't replace piece. the back bumper. You replace the back half of the car. Right. So an insurance company is right. going to wash their hands of that, but a wholesaler can buy it for fifteen grand. wait six months for the part to come in from Hethel because what else are they doing? They don't care. Right. Put it on, sell it for twice what they bought it for. Sell it for 25 and it's a steal, Car's but it's salvage fine. title. Drivetrain's fine. The problem is those can be very hard to get a loan on. Right. So right. I wanted a clean title, 06 or up. Right. Right. But I have less than thirty-five grand to spend. You start plugging in those parameters. There's like six cars nationwide. 
it gets it gets narrow. It drops fast. Yeah. I mean, there's not a ton of still these there. anyway. But and you had found at least three of them. Yes, I had found three that were viable. I found two in L.A. and I found one in Denver. And there was a very nice red one in Denver that was a real contender. I mean, like I said, selfishly, but it doesn't have to be the red Lotus versus the blue Porsche. It doesn't <laughs> have to be that. Ultimately, I, I told Todd, everyone, I said, I want you to get what you love and what speaks to you. We know it's going to be an Elise. Mm-hmm. That was a given. And we know it's going to be a color. We knew it was going to be a yeah. color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I said, you know what? Here's what I like. And you did genuinely listen to my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you heard Absolutely. me out, and I said, ultimately, I'm leaving it in your hands. Yeah, you got yeah. You're the one driving it, obviously, mm-hmm. and you got to love it. Mm-hmm. So, and that was the other thing is yeah. that I wanted 06 and up. The the main changes for the 06 that I cared about, it went to LED tail lights, which are much brighter and much nicer on the car. It makes the car a little bit classier, and it has improved seats. Right, they're not Those garden the lawn chairs anymore. They're, they're slightly better. They slightly went to the, the pro back seats. They're slightly better than that. Right. Um, now that also, interestingly enough, went from uh, throttle cable to drive by wire throttle. I'm sixes on that. I, I really am. I, I that that was not a concern for me. Sure. I wanted the better seats and I wanted the upgraded lights. And I also wanted it to not be first year of build. These are Lotuses. They're just sure. the side of hand built. They always have quirks. I wanted to get away from first year of build. Sure, understand. So, 06. The other thing is, I wanted it to come with the hardtop. The hardtop is right. not cheap. Right. Although all three of these cars did have the all three top. of them did. That was the other thing. Yes, that was the other thing. So I found those three. But I started down the road with this yellow one because I really like this yellow one, and mm-hmm. I've been eyeing it for a couple months. That's what's crazy. Not a couple. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, I'm saying this, Half a year. this particular car I've been eyeing yes. for a couple months, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, started talking with the owner. And actually, when I first posted my FRS for sale, I reached out to the owner. He was like, yeah, it's still for sale. He answered some questions. But I was like, look, I'm not going to bug you until my FRS sells. Six weeks later, I popped up again. <laughs> now, in that time, apparently, somebody else had tried to buy this Lotus. In oh, no Irvine, kidding. I didn't realize that. But couldn't get the loan. Interesting. Is it because of the 10-year I have no 10 idea. years older? I have no idea, but he couldn't get the loan. Yeah. So when I started talking with the owner, whose name is Craig, I started talking with him about uh, the car pretty seriously. We, I, I told him I wanted to get a pre-purchase inspection. And this was going to be the make-or-break element. So funny. The, I mean, this is going to be the make-or-break element. Now, look, I've gotten pre-purchase inspections done on plenty of cars. You can mm. get them done for 60 80 bucks. You can take it to the local whatever. That's what I was used to, to be uh-huh. honest. That was yeah. the price that I was used to. Yeah. I mean, I was expecting 100 bucks on the high end. But that's, let's be honest, you take it to your local mechanic shop, and they throw it up on the lift, and they pull off the tires, and they go, your brakes are fine, and I think it might need an alignment, and hey, the t- right tire is a little worn, but otherwise it seems fine, the oil's good. That's what you get back. But because these cars are what they are, I didn't want anybody random to get to the pre-purchase inspection. I wanted it to be somebody that had worked on Lotuses, which right. makes it much right. harder. So I found the local Lotus dealer that was central L.A., actually in Irvine, close to this owner, thankfully. But, of course, they're not listed as a Lotus dealer. They're listed as a Rolls-Royce BMW Bentley dealer <laughs> because, let's be honest, they probably sell one Lotus a year. Right, right. And that, hence my joke a few podcasts ago when I said, congratulations on your Rolls. Exactly. That's where that came from. Exactly, Even yeah. though it was an inside joke at that point, but, you know, we were dealing with the Rolls-Royce motor car yeah. emails when I, coming yeah, in. When I, called, when I called the, the dealer to talk to somebody, talk to the tech, I'm getting everybody's answer, Rolls-Royce of Orange County. It's like, it's like, whoa. Yeah, that's not what I need. <laughs> but so the pre-purchase inspection, <clears throat> I am going to share this, and it hurts. The pre-purchase inspection was $300. Yikes. It was yeah. $300. And I asked the guy, 
as nicely as I could. Why is this $300? What am I getting for this Exactly. Exactly. And he said, you know, I've got a Lotus Tech here, which is actually good news. And he said, this will be very thorough. And look, Mm -hmm. when I've gotten pre-purchase inspections before, it's the checkbox thing you get from the local, you know, mechanic place, the one-page check thing. You know what I mean? Does the car stop? You know, all those kinds of things. What I got back was, I believe, eight pages. Yeah, it was shocking. It was eight pages, and it was incredibly in-depth. Thankfully, I mean, I got my money's worth. Incredibly in-depth about everything you can imagine. He, If something was awry, and there wasn't much, if something was awry, he made notes as to what was awry and his suspicions of what might need to be fixed. I mean, this was thorough. Gosh. There were things where the owner was like, I've never had that problem. How did he even find that? Which was crazy. Didn't you say he dumped the ECU as well? Well, that was the other thing. The back three pages was a full brain dump of the ECU from the life of the car. Unbelievable. It took me a minute to even figure out what it was. I mean, you've heard before, Paul, about over-revs for Porsches. Oh, yes. So yes, ex- explain, explain that real quick, and then I want to come back to the Lotus thing. Okay, so over-revs is a big thing. Well, maybe not for some Porsche owners, but it's on the ECU, and it records how long it hangs out past redline. It actually records this in the ECU in every gear, okay? And... You can translate that to, okay, you're reducing engine life and all this stuff. Theoretically. Okay. Cars are made to touch red line and go a little bit past. You really don't want to hang out. I mean, car manufacturers put that red line there for a very good reason. Well, it's got fuel cutoff, too. It's got fuel cutoff, but if you've, you know, modded the car or yeah, just yeah. whatever happens. And so when owners dump the ECU and they see, ooh, over revs in first and second gear and you hung out for 18 seconds here and they, they think the engine's going to go. No, no. Well, the car ends up selling for less. Yeah, That's the truth it of actually it. actually does. It ends up selling for it less. Does. But, it, it's a thing. But what's interesting about that is that I'd heard about this happening, these ECU dumps happening for Porsches, but here I'm looking at it for this Lotus Elise. <laughs> a gas. I'm looking at it for its <laughs> lifespan. Right. And literally, it has, think of it, I don't know if you know this, but, but airplanes, you've talked about it before, Paul, airplanes are counted not in miles, but in engine hours. Yes. yes. Okay. So this is how this was, was judged. Yeah. It actually shows, I actually have on this pre-purchase inspection, the number of engine hours or minutes it has been at certain speeds the car has been at certain speeds the the hours and minutes it's been at certain rpms unbelievable uh, i mean that i've got the whole life of the car and i'm flipping through this astonished by the level of information and detail so to know that this guy had been this detailed and to then have his notes some of which surprised even the owner i felt much more confident getting on a plane to go look at this car mm-hmm yeah, this all ties into the remote buying Absolutely. strategy. Here. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say if you're going to buy a sports car remotely, try to get your pre-purchase inspection done by somebody that works on those cars. Ideally, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. if you're going to buy the family whatever, you know, get it done by whoever and save yourself the money. But if you're going to buy something specialized, I would say go to somebody that works on those specialized cars. That was the case here. So I flew down, uh, took a Prius to this guy's house, <laughs> agreed on thirty one grand. Um, the car is actually very robust. Um, it has a little bit of body damage. Not well, body damage is too strong. It has some peppering from road debris. That's right, a better way to put right. it. That's like, different than it's not body damage. It's like it's cracks got, exactly because it's got uh, that star shield thing on it, that clear clear bra stuff. But one of the rocker panels, it's come off at some point, 
And so that rocker panel's got some some rock dings. Right. Okay. Right. Welcome to a fifty four thousand mile it's Lotus been Elise on track. Yes, of course it has. You know, which I'm fine with. Yeah. Because I intend to track it too. Of course, now I have four point harnesses and a fire extinguisher and a track prepped car. So I ought to take it and, on track. And otherwise, few I'm, excuses. Otherwise, I'm that guy. Yeah, which is not good. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the hard top fit well. Um, what's happened here is I started talking with Craig about this car. We're now trading information because he owns the car and has had it for a couple of years. But I'm a little bit of a Lotus freak. So random things. I'm like, well, yeah, all <laughs> to of them. put mildly, yeah. yes. I kept saying <laughs> things like, delicate. well, you know, all of them are like this. And he'd look at me like, really? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. All of them are like this. Or all of them are like that. And he kept kind of looking at me like, wow. So when we agreed on a price, he was like, I want you to have this car. I want you Same to. Same thing with your owner for the FRS. Which is true. Which Same is very true. Same kind of deal. Uh, except, except uh, Craig's dear wife almost danced. <laughs> when we came to a price, she was so happy for this car to was go. She there? Was she, she was there? there. She was well. there. Her comment. Her comment to me was: She said, "Todd, I just pulled in the driveway, and I saw that the hard top was on the car, and I did a little cheer." <laughs> <laughs> and this coming from a woman whose husband owns a radical spec Miata, three shifter carts, mm-hmm. and a garage full of racing parts. Yes, he he clearly is is a hot shoe. I'm sure she did. She, yeah, she was pretty happy that the Lotus was going inside. So then, uh, yeah, this story is becoming massive. Um, <laughs> Tell us about the road trip. Yes, definitely. Coming back. But the cars were bust. You were less so on an 800-mile road true. trip. True. Yeah, Jason, I did want to t- touch real quick. Uh, obviously, I've covered a lot of this. You asked if I found this on Auto Tempest. I had found it on Auto Trader three months ago, but all of my searching in the last probably six weeks has all been Auto Tempest to begin with and then branched out from there. What's interesting about the Auto Tempest thing in that regard has been like this Craigslist in Denver. I found that through Auto Tempest. Because I don't normally troll Craigslist looking for Lotuses. I'm sure. looking at, at Auto Trader. But it pulled um, that. But it pulled ad. it. But it pulled it, which is great. Yeah. So it was that, and also some of the stuff on eBay coming up. But the eBay stuff, I just I didn't I didn't have the ability to do an auction. Mm-hmm. So I was seeing that was almost like price comparison more than anything. But it was helpful in that regard. So then, yeah, road trip. So I'm in Irvine, in a car I'm starting to refer to as the Skittle, because <laughs> it like is it. it is that fruity yellow color and yeah. it is tiny. Good thing, because you're tiny. Yes. Yeah, I'm a little guy, in case you haven't haven't noticed. So, yeah, I I fit in this car just fine. Oh, that's the other thing that's fun, is that the hardtop, which is fantastic, actually. I love the hardtop. Never driven a hardtop on an Elise before. That's true. We never have. So I was thrilled to have the hardtop. I love having it. But as is true of cars from the 80s, or a Lotus Elise from 2006, the liner on the top is sagging. Little droopy, yeah, droopy top. So, in there. so here I am, a guy that barely fits in the Lotus anyway, and now I have the liner just sitting against my head <laughs> for the drive home just until I can get it fixed, which is awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Chinese um, water torture there, just Lotus torture, just a little bit, just just barely rubbing <laughs> the top of my scalp. But hey, I mean, I'm making this sound terrible. It isn't terrible, but it was funny. So, I my goal was to get out of LA as fast as possible because everywhere in LA I felt minute and I felt unseen, even though I am bright, bright yellow. But ultimately, Amazing. between late Saturday afternoon when the deal was closed and mid-afternoon Sunday, I did 800 miles in a Lotus Elise, which I don't really recommend. <laughs> Not really set up for the road for long-distance cruising. Is that what you're saying? Not its gift. And I had a trunk full. Now, the trunk is not huge, but the trunk is – I mean, it can carry some stuff. I have a trunk full of awesome spare parts yeah. from oh, Craig. Yeah. But that meant my personal bag – <laughs> and the extra set of front rotors that I was given and the soft top were filling the passenger compartment to my off my right elbow. So it was just a hole for me in the car for 800 <laughs> miles and the sagging roof and an air conditioner that 
Craig kept being shot. He's like, why do you keep bringing up the air conditioner? I'm like, because every one of these I've driven, the air conditioner has failed. Every single one of them. He was like, mine works great. And the pre-purchase inspection was like, this works great. Here's the problem. Amazing. <laughs> Here's funny. the problem. Um, the car can the car can keep the cabin about 15 degrees cooler than the outside temperature. So if you're so driving through the desert saying. in Nevada, mm. you're going to be sweating through your shirt. <laughs> and I and I just happened to drive through the desert in Nevada, which worked out well. Uh, the other thing is that this is a. Uh, I feel like. I feel like your Cayman, Paul, is what happens twenty years after. The Lotus being that Frankenstein moment where they went, we've cracked it. We figured out how to do a mid-engine car. We have the radiators in the front. We have an engine in the back. The cooling will go down the sides like the rocker panels. It's going to work. It's going to be awesome. That's the Lotus. We figured it out, and it works. Right. The Cayman is what happens 20 or 30 years later after that initial revelatory moment of figuring it out. Then you wind up at the Cayman where you can't – the Cayman has none of the Lotus Elise mid-engine issues. No, no. I mean, the it's got it's it's pretty sorted. It's got cooling fans that work and all this kind of it's stuff. Pretty sorted. The Elise is sending. It has huge. Have you ever seen one? It has huge rocker panels on both sides inside the doors. They're about six eight inches wide. Those are your cooling tubes, folks. Inside that <laughs> is the hot water that is going from the engine to the radiators in the nose that are getting air blasted and then back. So when it is a hundred and twelve in the Nevada desert and the air conditioners doing what it can, everything from waistline down is roasting because you've got hot water flowing back and forth through the cabin. <laughs> so clearly it's a winter car. It's, a, saying. it's pretty much all heated. See, it's, it's radiated heat. That's what it is. There we go. It's a car with radiated heat. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> so yeah. So once I got into Utah and the, and the temperatures got cooler, it was actually great. But that's, that blast across the Nevada desert oh. was not fun. Yeah, I I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, you were just let's get out of here. I was just let's hang on. And of course, yeah. also these cars have no cruise control, which you know what? I actually am a huge believer in cruise control. Oh yeah, I'm a massive oh, yeah. believer. In it. If you're commuting on a freeway, just save yourself the trouble. Use cruise control. Obviously, on a lease, this is not a deal breaker. On an 800-mile road trip, it hurts a lot. Let's just be honest. There was a lot of pain. I got out of the car, and I realized that my right leg was just sore. And it was sore from actually not doing anything. It was sore because it had to be in the same position for the entire day. Right. So everything else in the body can move, but the right leg is frozen in time, and then you want to get out. Which is obviously has <laughs> and a you pre- fall down. procedure in the Elise too, and you're and I'm going. Why is my right leg feel like I've been working out all day? It's just because it's been locked in one position. Oh, that's awesome. But of course, now I got home. My son, <laughs> my wife calls me when I'm two hours out. Okay, and goes do me a favor, and I can tell she's had one of those conversations with my son, where she's just <laughs> she's reaching the edge of tolerance. Sure, sure. He's becoming obsessive. Dad's almost home. She goes, do me a favor. And I, with that kind of tone, and I was like, okay, what? She said, uh, set up your phone so I can track you, please. Because if I have to answer the question of when is dad going to be home one more time, funny. I'm going to hurt someone. Oh, I was like, funny. okay. So I set up my phone so she could track me. So he could be like, the garage door was opening as I turned down the drive. You know, he comes running out. And he stops like 10 feet from the car and goes, this is so much cooler than the pictures. <laughs> FRS promptly forgotten, right? Yes, 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 yes. He just walked around it and walked around it. And I opened up the back, which, of course, is where the engine is, and that just kind of blew his little mind. And he looked at the tow hook on the front and rear and was like, it's sticking its tongue out. 
what's this for? So we had that conversation. <laughs> Explain everything. Yes. Yeah. We had to figure out how to get him in the car because here's a problem that they don't tell you. Um, th- booster seats come in different widths. Right. His current one is too wide to fit in the small uh, width of the Lotus Elise seat. So we had to get him a different booster seat with a smaller footprint. Thankfully, my wife found one with flames on it. So that works perfect in the Lotus Elise. That's perfect. He's ecstatic. (laughs) Uh, So uh, let's see. I took him for a drive. My wife went for a drive with him. She got to drive it, which she loves it too, which I'm really thrilled about. Yeah, she's had experience, as you yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. So she loved it. Uh, he and I went for a drive with the top off. I took the top off, and it was he was wide-eyed again, like, what? Wait, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> How did this work? You've got to be kidding. So yeah. that's exciting. He's in love with it. He's in love with it. You're right. The FRS is all but forgotten. What FRS? Yeah. Right. Loves the sound. I asked the first thing I asked him was, I said, what do you like about this car so far, buddy? He goes, I really like the exhaust. He said it about like that. Okay. He said it like he was 15. I really like the exhaust. It's like, That's okay. Mature answer. For- yeah. And then, yeah, we started driving and he decided that it was the fastest Lotus on the planet because he's been in so many, yes. you know? Yes. Uh, yeah. And actually there were two times, two times while driving him with the top off, which of course is massive sensation of speed and wind, where he actually said to me, this is so my son. He actually said to me, uh, dad. He's up on the throttle there a little bit. What? Yes, he did. Those I got, words those came Those were the words came mouth. out of his mouth. Yeah. Dad, ease up on the throttle a little. Ease up on the throttle a little. I was going actually a little too fast for him, which has never happened in the FRS. Um, so now I've had a day of commuting in it. Good, good. And I'm in love. Uh, so it's awesome. Happy to hear that. It's, it's, a, it's a sacrifice. There are many things about it compared to it's other cars that it doesn't it? do. Yeah. You know, it it hates sitting still, hates it, hates yeah. it. Yeah. Because when it comes to a stop, think about mid-engine again. It comes to a stop, now there's no air moving over those radiators. Heat soak. And so it has fans underneath the nose, and the fans kick on at different intervals right, as you right. come to a stop. So by the time you get completely stopped, they kick on big time. And if the car got hot like Vegas, for example, when I sat at a stoplight, it sounded like an idling jet. Have you ever heard a fighter jet going... Yeah, on, yeah. That's what it does because the fans are going as fast as they possibly can. And people are looking at me like, why is your car whistling like it's a bomb? Because it's sitting here in 110 degree heat, it sitting still airflow. at a light, and it's desperate to keep the water co- cool. So, so crazy. When, like here in, in Salt Lake, we're not nearly that hot, but yeah, I pull to a yeah. stop at a stoplight, and you can hear the levels of the fans kick on until it's sure. sitting still. And then you should start moving. They, they kick their way back. But it loves to move, and I can do something I could never do in the FRS. Hmm. Spy a hole in traffic and promptly snipe it. Because you can probably see underneath the cars ahead of well, you. Well, but, but I've got the power to just be like, I want to put yeah. it right there right now. Yeah. Which is really cool. So I could clearly go on, but I will stop. <laughs> well, no, I'm so glad you're back safely, of course. I'm glad there's no issues with the car on a road trip like that. I mean, it's the right car. It's the right color. And I'm just... I'm so happy. I'm just absolutely thrilled. And I know everybody else is too. I mean, a massive amount of questions and comments and all that stuff. Thank you, guys. There are It's poured in. Yes. There are three I want to touch on really quickly that directly relate to the car. Three questions that I want to touch on while we're here. Uh, Let's see. Michael, you said uh, the Elise in the snow sounds like a death trap. A couple of people have asked about, (laughs) am I going to drive it in the snow? Uh, There are – the short answer is probably not – 
for a right. couple of reasons. Right. One, not all of these cars have LSD, the limited slip diff. Uh, limited, no limited slip diff in a rear-wheel drive car in the snow is going to be remarkably difficult because you'll pretty much get stuck once and never get the car out. Right. Luckily, it has tow hooks. My wife has already joked about, it's well, I could tow you out. Perfect. So, but, but the thing is, there's that. And then we've also talked about, already talked about the clam issue. You mm-hmm. ding either one of the clams in this car, and it pretty much writes the car off. Yeah. Yeah. I am thinking I will probably just get a winter beater. Sure. For those two reasons. Sure. If it has LSD, and you know how you find out you have LSD on this car? Hmm. You go test it. <laughs> because, yeah. sure. because it's even hard to get the information out of Lotus if you send them the VIN. Amazing. So most guys okay. will just go to a parking lot and turn the wheel to the side and drop the clutch. Or and put, find out. Put a, put a tire off the road in the dirt and one on the pavement and just see what happens. To find out. There are, there are rumors about you can take this, this linkage covering off and you can see, look at this number. And that letter means great if you can find that on a 10-year-old car if that, that label still exists. So if it had mm. limited slip diff, I'd think about it more because I'd kind of like to, to be honest. But the thought of dinging the clam, that right there, I probably won't. Beast. I'll probably get a winter beater yeah. and be perfectly happy with it. We've already covered it. It has radiant heat. It would probably be fine in the winter. So there's that. That's what I'm thinking. Um, Ryan asked if there's a change in insurance rate from the FRS. Oh, yes. Right. Right. It is going to be $2 more expensive a month to drive a Lotus Elise. Love it. And, of course, the big joke, everyone, is that Todd's gone from a Toyota to a Toyota. Yes, exactly. Exactly That's right. my favorite joke. Yeah. It never gets old. <laughs> and then, uh, Matt, I've kind of touched on your question already about how comfortable was the trip home. Um uh, I did get off the freeway a couple of times to go up through the mountains a little bit. The photo that you saw was from an area near uh, central Utah called Brian Head. Mm-hmm. Brian Head Resort. It's off of the 15 in Utah. It's a small ski resort. But I went up there looking for just a reprieve from freeway driving and also to get a nice photo and to get some back road driving. So it did take two little reprieves. Those were wonderful. Sure, sure. But it was 800 miles. I would rather not do a trip like that again in this car. I think, I think personally two hours is about right. Two hours in that car, perfectly fine. Sure. 800 miles was just – you're just aware. 800 miles in anything is hard, honestly. Absolutely. 800 miles in any car, you're ready to oh, be done. of course, of course. The Elise is not built for that, so I was very ready to be done. <laughs> but now it's fun driving, and it's awesome. Very cool. Well, guys, we've got a great debate and more questions coming up. We'll take a quick break. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recent windstorm here to describe the event, the chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the Geico Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call Geico to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. All right, as we said, we've got great debate here from Joe up in the Bay Area of California. He and his family are from England, and Joe is 13. And you might have noticed a trend here that we've been answering a few questions. One was nine years old, and now Joe is 13. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about cars at this age. I mean, in fourth grade, I was obsessing over you name it. Yeah. And I remember being this age and and just obsessing over cars and not having an outlet like this to think how do, what should i buy what should my parents buy yeah. i mean i remember trying to influence my parents to <laughs> buy a maxima the original maxima sure. like yeah. dad it says four door sports car right on the window that, that has to be great it has to be great yeah. come on but no we got a buick anyway yeah. 
So Joe is 13, and he's trying to help his parents choose two cars. Mm-hmm. Hence the debate. So this is kind of one debate for two cars. Yeah, it's two cars in one. You're right. Everything's going away. Both of his folks are five foot nine, mm-hmm. and Joe has a ten-year-old brother and a fifteen-year-old brother as well. So he's the middle child, and I have to give Joe a shout out real quick. This email is better thought out and written than about half of the ones we get. Mm, yeah, and Joe is thirteen. Agreed. This is he sat down and he wrote a superb email that breaks down everything and is just it's. I, I'm telling you, if you hadn't told me you were 13, I would have never guessed. Oh, it's yeah. a superb email. So yeah, there's that. That's kudos a good way of quick. reading it through that, you know, that filter and think, okay, yeah, an adult wrote this. Absolutely. You know, no, no, there was amazing. no question. There was no question. I read it. I was just like, okay, this is just another email. Said, By the way, I'm 13. Wait, whoa, hang on. This is an incredible <laughs> email. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're replacing two cars. They have a 2011 Mazda CX-9, which is the older one than the current body style. That's the right. prior one. Right. And they've actually had quite a few problems. Which surprises me, being the Mazda and being the CX-9 that we love. Well, but... We've been re- recommending the newest generation, though. That's the thing. Lately. The current one is getting a lot of uh, a lot of accolades. The prior mm-hmm. one seemed to always be kind of a middle-of-the-pack performer. Yeah, he's talking and about a hasn't been reliable either. problem. Yeah. He's talking about, yeah, just a few things that have caused his parents to lose trust. Let's yeah, put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially considering it is the family car. I mean, family yeah. of five, Joe's the middle boy, and this is the big family hauler, and it's just started to be that car that they find suspect, which is not what you want in your family vehicle. It just needs to run. Right. It just needs to run all the time safely. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, Joe, I love that you're noticing this, and you're very cognizant. And your suggestions here to replace the CX-9 are really on point. Because you say you've done the majority of the research here and come up with three top contenders Mm -hmm. to replace this Mm -hmm. car. Now, keep in mind, the CX-9 is for his mom, who will do about 90% of the driving. (laughs) Doesn't appreciate her family talking about cars with her for hours on end. Hi, Mom. This has been a tough hour for you so far. Because this is not not how you wanted to spend your time. And we're going to now talk. Welcome to what we do. (laughs) We're going to now talk. People you've never met are now talking to you about cars. This is how Mom's day has just gone sideways. That's what's happened here. Well, we hope it's entertaining. And Joe has limited me to Mm 50,000. So 50,000 even. And I'm guessing that means, you know, combining whatever money you have, getting rid of the CX-9, Onwards to something. And as I said before, he's come up with three top requirements. Okay. So running to Ikea, weekly shopping, decent gas mileage. It should have a decent sound system, Mm -hmm. as should the next car for dad. Yeah, we're not there yet, but yes, definitely. They're all music enthusiasts, which I love. And then road trips. So it's got to be comfy for road trips. School runs, I mean, the family stuff, mm-hmm. and swim team. I was on the swim team in high school and early college, so I, I know the early morning workouts and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, yeah. the chlorine smell. <laughs> I, I know this smell very yeah. well. <laughs> and, of course, a dog. The dog is Luna, so, yeah, the dog has to fit as well. Well, hang on. You, you completely sidestepped the place that blew most of my suggestions out of the water because mm. then Joe has a little sentence here at the bottom. <laughs> oh, yes. That is the follow-up. Haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> um, they would rather buy than lease um, or maybe buy used. So we're creating options. Yeah, just fine. However, uh, they do not want any of the following. <laughs> Those of you that are making lists in your head, prepare to have most of your lists destroyed. Nothing American, nothing Japanese, nothing Italian, 
no on the Volvo CX90, no on all Range Rovers, and no on BMW. Welcome to the dilemma. You've cut about three quarters of the car building population yes. right off the map. Yes, Joel. and and more than three quarters of the suggestions I had come up to at this point of the email and probably felt like I'd been slapped. Screeching yes. halt uh-huh. here. You didn't say Korean, but of course, there aren't any Korean SUVs that cost $50,000. So that's I did out. have that thought. I was like, <laughs> you didn't say Korean cars, so Kia and, and Hyundai it is for you. Uh, step this way to your lovely Kia and Hyundai. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the three top choices that Joe has given us are the Audi Q5, mm-hmm. the new Mercedes GLC 300, yeah. which is about the size of the Porsche Macan S, which is yes. the third on his list yes. here. Okay, I like that you're thinking of this. Obviously, all German. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. getting away from the Japanese. And yeah, I mean, come on. No Volvo XC90? Nope. The Stelvio's out, anything Japanese, (laughs) and the king of CUVs and SUVs, which are American trucks. Exactly, exactly. Those are off the map, too. I know. And I don't think we can recommend – well, they said no Japanese, but we couldn't even recommend the Mazda again because clearly coming out of the CX-9, they're not going back to Mazda, and it's a Japanese brand. So this is problematic. I – (laughs) <laughs> the big question I have, do you have other recommendations? Because I have two others. I've got three. Okay, good. I'm I'm validating your choices here. Many times our listeners definitely want them, you know, want us to validate their choices. Sure. Yeah, which yeah, we yeah. do. And they're great choices. They really are. For that that money, hard to go wrong with any of those three, right? I'm curious to know your choices though here. Well, I have uh I have one thought here. We're talking about a family of five yeah. and the dog yeah. road tripping. I honestly wonder, Joe, if the Q5 Macan S size is big enough. Kind of what I was wondering, too. I mean, you don't need a seven-seater, but you clearly need – okay. It also doesn't sound like you as a family are always going somewhere, the five of you. They might not you be. But you are going right. to now and then. So That's the road trip part. Exactly. So the you've school got, runs and everything else. Exactly. So you've, just, got that, you've got to have a back yeah, bench that all three of you boys can sit in and not hate each other. And unless you have other issues, which is a separate thing. Uh, so anyway, and the tall shelves from IKEA, you know, we want those to fit. Too. Those will fit too. But that's the thing: if you put all five of you in a Macan, there's very little storage space left. Oh my god! And you're going to be tight in that yeah. back bench. I actually am, and the Q5 is the same size. The GLC is similar. I mean, these are great, great choices. I do kind of wonder if they wind up too small. So I have two other thoughts for you. Okay. The Volkswagen Atlas. I've stayed German. Very nice. Your dad currently drives a GTI, so I've stayed German. I've stayed Volkswagen. Very nice. The brand new Atlas yeah. is their seven-seater. I think it's worth a look. I mean, they start it right at thirty grand. So for fifty, you could get a loaded out one. Mm-hmm. Sure. I I don't personally think it's the best in that class. It's up there. I don't think it's the best in that class. But you've wiped out the rest of the class by the things you will not consider. <laughs> Pretty much. So Volkswagen Atlas. Let's walk this way for the seven seater. And then I will <laughs> say, because I own one, no Macan, but go Cayenne. Yeah. yeah. That extra space is helpful. You could get all five of you in a Cayenne. I mean. With my wife and son and either our set of parents comes in, all five of us can go somewhere in the Cayenne. We do mm-hmm. it all the time. Sure. And you have a worthwhile hatch in the back that either the dog could be in or your stuff for the road trip. Yeah. So I think the, the Cayenne wins over the Macan. You get a couple-year-old Cayenne with fifty grand. Here's the crazy thing about the Macans. 
the used ones are not coming down because everybody wants a Macan. You can right, actually get right. more for your money in used Cayenne than you can in used Macan. So I think it's Cayenne versus Macan. Uh, Cayenne instead of the Macan, I should say, or the Volkswagen Atlas. Those are my number one recommendations for your family. I like the Atlas. It's you know a new model, mm-hmm. yet unproven, untried, but. It's got all of Volkswagen's engineering expertise behind it. I mean, it's chunky off-road. It's got it loads needs, of space. It needs to work for them. I mean, I believe it's the Q7 shared platform. Pretty sure. Pretty sure it is. So yeah. that I mean, it's a seven-seater. It's, it's, a, it's, a it's a big boy, for sure. And I went there. You know, seeing this list here, Joe, I thought, all right, what if we went up one size in mm-hmm. all of these manufacturers' categories? I debated it as well. Keep going. So this is good. I went, 50, I went uh, yeah, for 50 grand, I went... With the Audi, the Q7, mm-hmm. instead of the Q5, I thought, sure. all right, that's big enough. And you could maybe go new, but certainly use yeah, yeah. late model, you know, 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. in there, sure. and, and definitely solve that. Cayenne's on my list. The third runner-up for me is Mercedes. You could go – I'd go bigger than that GLC. I'd go GLE, which is the uh, M-Class, mm-hmm. yep. or the GLS, which is the big boy. But you don't see too many of those, and there's no point I, in paying that much money. I think GLE, GLE is the highest you go in that category. I agree with you. I, I mean, think the GLE may be the better better answer. I do agree with that, but I don't, uh, I don't think there's any reason to go GLS. GLS is just huge, expensive, and get the Audi instead, I say. Hmm. So that's that's my choice there. Hopefully that's helpful. But we still have a car to choose for dad. That's true. We're only halfway done with this debate. We've only yeah. covered the mom car. <laughs> now we have the dad car. Dad currently has a GTI, and uh, he's got a 30-mile commute. It's all traffic. He's looking for uh, a lot more interesting car. He's he's kind of concluded that the GTI is a little, well, it's it's been disappointing, mm. yeah. which I think is interesting because, I mean, GTIs are fun. But Dad needs to move on from the GTI. The lease is coming up. Am I right on that? Is this, this one is a lease, right? Yes, lease okay. ends next year. Okay, All so right, we're we're up. a little ways out, but enough time to start thinking and mm-hmm. driving and gathering information and all that stuff. Yeah, thirty mile traffic filled commute. Of course, you're up in the Bay Area, so yes. And I love this. Gotta have plenty of oomph for overtaking Prii. Yep. Thank you for spelling <laughs> that correctly. <laughs> Very nice. And four usable seats because he tends to drive people to lunch. Well, it says from his work. usable-ish, usable-ish, which is a word that I word. think that I think Joe has created, but yes. I actually followed him. That's a word that I would use, Joe, so bravo. Usable-ish <laughs> seats meaning it's really two plus two is okay. That's what I read into that. Sure. It's like I have four usable-ish. seats if I need them. That's up there with manufacturabilization. Perfect. I like that. There's a shirt. That that just that word by itself in a very simple font. You're like a Helvetica, no caps, no caps at all. It's just I can't even say it. Manufacturabilization game because it gets harder and harder the second time you say it. <laughs> Go on. All right. So yes, a sound system. This is an interesting component here because mm-hmm. the car's got to have a great sound system because you're all music fans and your dad especially. Yeah. And one of their biggest gripes has been with the infotainment system on the GTI. It's slow to load. The GPS is terrible. So, so far, Joe has recommended the 2016 BMW 435i, 4 Series. Of course, a 991 Carrera is on the list, a a Carrera 4 or It's dad's dream car. The 911 is dad's dream car. Which I can't deny. It's hard to deny. Uh, New Audi S5 is on there, the brand new one. And a 2017 C43 AMG. Mm-hmm. So not the full hot one, but really... But close. This and is that's still a, a hot car. Spot. That's still a hot car. We've driven the 63S, 
and that car was very surprising. Oh yeah. But at oh, a fifty thousand yeah. dollar limit, that's that's off the table because that car is the better part of a hundred. Uh, if you get yeah, them new, right? So the forty-three, you could probably get a one-year-old one. Maybe you get a new one. I'm not sure, but you could certainly get like a one-year-old one. That C43 AMG that would be a very hot. And the current C-Class in the not hot versions is a great car. You start to make it a hot car on top of that. It's an amazing all-arounder. I is do that see after that. the AMG badge? The AMG not hot. This exactly. Exactly. Kind of middle. No, no. Sizzle. <laughs> they take they take the AMG badge off for that equation. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So also fifty thousand on this limiter here as well. Dad doesn't like the BMW 2 Series. He's not a fan of American muscle cars. <laughs> the odd exception. Yikes. What are you thinking here? Well, okay, there's a question. What's the odd exception of American muscle cars he's interested in? I have an answer. Do you? Which is? Oh, yes. It's my wild card. Okay. I want to work my way there. Okay, because, because I have to say, for 50 grand, if, if we're talking about this world— I feel like the GT350 is the grand exception in the muscle car world because of its amount of personality and that very unique engine. <laughs> I don't know what the odd exception is in this discussion, but I do wonder, at 50 grand now, you could probably find yourself a GT350. Probably could, actually. And, Not you know, are, this... but yeah. No, no, no. But but come on. That, that engine is oh. the thing that makes that car oh, work yeah. and is just glorious. So I don't know if that's even on the table here, but I think it could be. And I think the the blandness that he's sensing from the GTI is decimated by a GT350. But yet, we commuted in the Bay Area in that car, and it was fine. That's true. It was fine. Yeah. The, the Boss 302 we had with it also was commuting, and it was a little bit harder place to be in commute. Still not bad, but a little harder place mm-hmm. to be. That GT350, look, it doesn't like going slow, but it can. It can just sit there in traffic and sit sure. in traffic, and it's got good infotainment and great heating and cooling and nice seats. It's just like I'm just sitting here commuting. But then you have a back road moment where you have an opportunity on the on-ramp to open up that engine, and you just think, like, this is why I bought this car. So I wonder <laughs> if that can be the exception on the muscle car rule. Okay, I like that. Now, keep in mind, I... I am validating all your choices here. I'm not going to argue with any of them. Any of them could work great. So we'll just leave them there. The three things that are on my mind is the traffic-filled commute, plenty of oomph mm-hmm. for overtaking mm-hmm. the pre yeah, yeah, yeah. and a sound system. All you've left me, Joe, is to break the rules. <laughs> That's all you've left me. The only choice okay. I have is to go break the rules, and so therefore I will. Why isn't an M5 on this list? Could mm. you do an M5? Interesting. A couple years back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Could you do a Tesla Model S for 50 grand? Now, I know that everybody else has one there. It's the official car of the Bay Area, yeah. It Mm -hmm. is. I also thought of the Cadillac ATS-V. Yeah. Breaking lots of rules because the infotainment system is terrible. (laughs) And it's an American car. (laughs) But, man, it's awesome. It is awesome. I agree with that, yeah. And my full-on wild card that breaks everything is a Charger Hellcat. Because if your dad has a Charger Hellcat, he will drive everybody in the office to lunch every day. All the time. They All the time. want to go with him. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the infotainment system, the Uconnect, is actually pretty darn good It's on one of the call. better ones in, in, in the whole market right you now. You want sound system and yeah, yeah, yeah. just ease of use. It connects. And the, the UI, the UX, is great, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, surprisingly. I see that. And that okay. engine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. 
you're the opposite of Tesla's. And mm -hmm. I think your dad needs to own a Hellcat just to, you know, kind of balance out the equation. That is that funny. The that is very funny. Uh, <laughs> so well, there it is. I'm breaking rules. I, I didn't expect to bring up the Mustang GT350, but it is that sentence about the odd exception for American muscle cars that makes me think that could be the car. So I sure. do want to bring that up. I have to say this. You said no BMW 2 Series, mm -hmm. but my question is, does your dad really not like the look of the M2? Good. Because I could good. argue that the M2 is the really good-looking one. Uh, there's one that, that's here in Park City, and I swear to you, it turns my head every single time sweet I looking. see it. They're sweet looking. The stance of the M2, I, I kind of like the design of the 2 Series anyway, but I also don't think it's a beauty queen. I think it's a nice design. Yeah. yeah. But the M2 turns my head every time I see one. They, they've got that extra wide fenders in the stance. Flared, so I can get you not liking the 2 Series, but I have to say, what about the M2? And that's been out long enough. You've really got fifty grand in your pocket. I think you could find one. I think it's possible. Uh, the uh, the Audi S5, okay. The, the Mercedes, look, we've already talked that up at one side and down the other. Good car. Um, the BMW 435i, I just I think it's an improvement in all of the sitting in traffic, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I don't think it's an improvement in fun factor. Driving okay. fun factor. Okay. I think it's going to be an improvement in all of the, let me take you to lunch. I've got nice infotainment. The stereo is great. I think it's a great place to be. I think it's a definite step sure. up. I don't think it's going to be the car that is just a laugh, though. Sure. I don't think it is. So chasing the laugh, that's where the M2 comes in. It's where the GT350 comes in. I am going to say this. Is the 1M just oddball ugly enough to be acceptable? You don't like the look of the 2 Series. It's Tiny and hard to get in the back seats, but well, but the, the M2 is not a whole lot more usable in the back seat. These are all no. two plus twos. They're quasi usable two plus twos, usable ish, as Joe said. Usable ish. They're all usable ish. I will go with that word, it's Joe. Well done, sir. Getting harder to pronounce. Yes. Strangely, manufacturableization. There's the T-shirt. You did it. I did it. Fantastic. Uh, but honestly, one M. If your dad's ever thought about a one M, the other thing I will say is get the one M and watch it just hang on to its value. That's true. Get the one M for a year, Dad. You decide you like it. You decide you don't like it. Sell it for what you got it for. Yeah. I think the 1M is a real contender here. And then okay. you brought up how much your dad wants a 911. And then you put on the list getting a used 991. That's current gen. Right. 50 grand, maybe. You'd be limited to the Carrera. You wouldn't be This is what I'm worried about. Now, the good thing about the 991 yeah. is... Those are usable-ish back seats. Those are the those are worthwhile We're back seats. We're gonna start using that word. We are. It's gonna it's gonna because happen. Joe, the word is usable-ish. Exactly. It, 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 perfect. It's gonna go right there with proclivity. Uh, it's gonna add to the drinking game. There we go. Okay. So anyway, but um, but I'm gonna say the thing about a Porsche in general when buying a Porsche, and, and I and I say this as a guy that owns a base Cayenne. Mm -hmm. One of the things you want to do with a Porsche is you want to get a used one that is. I mean, if you can afford a new one. Blessings on you. But you want to get a used one that is the highest model with the most stuff you can because right. you're going to want that engine right. and you're going to want that little extra. And I didn't know the seats yeah. could do that, all this kind of stuff. So I don't think the 991 is the answer. I think the 997 is the answer. A more loaded S. Go down the to the 997 with 50 grand and see what you can get because I think you might surprise yourself mm -hmm. with how much car you can get. The stereo will be good. The interior is nice. Yes, the 991 is larger, which is one of the reasons I actually prefer the 997, but it's larger if you really want to haul family around at all. It's true. So it may win there. But I've seen people with old, like, 1980s SCs doing the school run with two kids in the back. I mean, it's doable. 
I mean, so, as will you, because you have a school bus now. Yes, I do. I have a yellow school bus with one seat. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that 997 is an interesting idea because I've seen turbos from 07 and 08 that are about 70. Mm-hmm. So you could get an S for 50, theoretically. Get a, get a GTS. Get a, get a yeah. 997 GTS mm-hmm. and enjoy yourself indefinitely because that car is just going to run. And don't take people to lunch. Just or take driving. Or just take one person to lunch. There you go. You know, you guys are going to have to take that car, and I'm taking the boss in mine. That's what we're doing. So I think the 997 might be the better call. It gets your dad in that 911. I think it is an upgrade on every category, and I think you can get more car for your money by going back. And I don't think you'll be in the 997 wishing in any kind of dynamics you are in the 991. The 991's awesome. The 997 is a contender. Sure, I can see that. I mean, Porsche's got to be on the list to consider. But Well, but it's dad's dream car. So and let's get dad car. in his dream car. But yeah. I don't want to get that base. I just barely got one dream car. I want to get the one. Into it I want to get the one that's yeah. got some bells and whistles and some genuine power. And the base nine nine one is still fast. Don't get me wrong. But the nine nine seven above the base. Where's the S? Where's the GTS? Sure. Chase that. Sure. That'd be a fun car. That'd be pretty awesome. Well, man, we are running out of time here. Guys, thank you so much for all the questions. We've got to get to some of these. I'm for hoping sure. on the next podcast, maybe we can revisit some of them. I have one to end on here, but any any that you're eyeballing before we wrap things up? Uh, two that I can answer very, very quickly. Okay. Uh, Teague Terrell on, uh, on Facebook asked, any point in my FRS ownership that I wish I had the BRZ? And the an- short answer is no. Hmm. I kind of wanted the heated seats that made me leaning toward the BRZ. I didn't care about the dual climate control. It didn't matter you to me either way. That I thought about the heated here seats. And there. But the first time I drove it in the winter and I realized that cabin is small enough that it heated up really quickly, the whole cabin did, I realized I didn't even need heated seats. So that was the only thing that I really thought about. I had driven the original, the 2013 BRZ and FRS back-to-back and preferred the dynamics of the FRS. Over time, they've changed the suspension for those two cars to be almost identical now. When they started, they weren't as far as right. suspension setup only. Right. Tuning. And we noted that. And I preferred the FRS. So I just went FRS and never looked back. And then I found out chances of BRZ and the entertainment system in that, the stereo is terrible. Whereas the one that I had in the Scion was great. So I was even happier to be. Strange. Yeah. Weird. All right. Uh, And you said you had one more? Uh, One other one. Very quick. Uh, Lansdale Arch on Twitter said, why do LED lights flash on film? Very simple answer. LEDs, they update. They flicker like your computer screen. They they are constantly updating themselves. Mm -hmm. If... And and you've seen those funny videos on YouTube where where you have a uh, here's the helicopter that's that the blades are in sync with the frame rate and so the blades don't look like they're moving you know that kind right, of thing happens right, yeah. that can just happen randomly when you turn your camera on the update of the camera and the update of the LED uh, flash is happening at alternates. And so you're seeing the blink of the LED that your eye can't see, but because of how the camera's updating and the LEDs are updating, it looks like it's flashing. So it is a trick of the shutter because the shutter and the LEDs are both updating. Hmm. Oh, that's excellent. Well, there's one last one in here from the one prophet on uh, what did he on have Instagram. To say? He said, now that Todd has his Lotus Uh-oh. and Paul has his Porsche, will we ever see a change in brand for future cars that we will own? <laughs> I will say that we've found our brands, and I'm. That's a lot of the reason that I'm so glad you have the Lotus. I've I know. talked about it. I know. so many years for so long. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love Porsches. We will always love these brands, and yeah. I think we're both open to learning, and that's for sure. Much of the reason for we sure. do this show is to broaden our own minds yeah, and yeah, change yeah. our own opinions and be wrong. 
essentially. <laughs> but we found our cars, and so I'll say for now. You know what? Let's enjoy yeah. it for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's just leave it at that. Unless uh, unless you're thinking, you know, you want to. I'm not know, Porsche. I'm not thinking past this car. I'm yeah, really not. I didn't think but so. at the same time, you know, I mean, I was looking. I was seriously looking at the uh, BMW Z4 Coupe was my other That's genuine true. contender with That's the Lotus. True. I mean, I was genuinely looking at them as an alternative. And I realized that I've talked about the Lotus for a decade. And if I could own one now, I needed to get on with it. I mean, I literally, yeah. that was the, the end of the decision. Because the, the Z4 was a genuine, genuine contender here. We've got a review of it coming up, and that's I'm I remember, spoiler it was surprising alert. for both of us, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, and I really thought of it as a great alternative. And I would have been very happy in that car. I know I would have. But I just thought, Lotus has been this lurking thing in my brain for so long. If I can do it, let's get on it. Mm-hmm. What happens next? I don't know. But I, I very much feel like any car is exchangeable. Sure. Doesn't mean I mean the FRS is a great example. Loved it the day I sold it. Still like it. If I yep. got to drive the car again tomorrow, I would. Yep. Yep. But I think it was time to move on. I'm thinking BMWs are in our future at some point. Some iteration of I'd the still BMW. Love, I'd still love to have a one M. Because I'd we're love both to have a one M. Looking at you know the one M, the M2. We're both kind of looking over here. The BMWs. We love the M3s. Mm-hmm. We love the E30 M3. We love all yeah. these BMWs yeah, yeah, yeah. that I think intrigue both you and I. For sure, for sure. So maybe maybe that direction, but for now, that's where I'm leaving it. So guys, thank you. I'm so glad you're you're back. The trip was safe and Yeah. You've got the Lotus. I'm so, driving a Skittle. That's what I'm doing. I mean, that is a pretty nice garage. Cayenne. I have a Lotus and, and a Porsche in my garage, which which that's sounds like terrible. a garage that my 15-year-old self would have absolutely been <laughs> jaw-dropped about, and somehow that's where I am. It's it's I'm shocked, honestly, but I'm thankful. Pretty cool. Guys, thank you so much. Looking forward to next time. Cheers. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno, live on the scene of a recent windstorm, here to describe the event, the chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the Geico Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call Geico to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.